listening to Rising Above with Becky Davidson. I never would have imagined that I could be encouraging somebody today who might have just gotten her diagnosis and she just left that scary, sterile doctor's office and she doesn't know what to do next. Well, here I am on the other side of it. Welcome to Rising Above with Becky Davidson, where we hear from special needs families who rise above difficult circumstances and discover that joy can be found in every story. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Becky Davidson. Hey friends, I am so glad that you are here this week as we are celebrating today at the podcast as this is our 200th episode. can hardly believe it. It has been so much fun bringing you encouraging stories over the years of special needs families who are rising above their circumstances and finding joy in their stories. And we are grateful for each guest who has been on the show and for every listener who has joined in. And so thanks for being part of this journey along with us. And thanks for celebrating with us today on our 200th episode. We have another great family to introduce you to this week as I share a conversation I had with Jonna Hensley. Jonna is an author and in her words, a sporadic blogger, speaker, and all-time coordinator of chaos. She's a wife, a mother of six, a homeschooler, and a fourth-generation Texan. Jonna is passionate about sharing the eternal hope she found in Jesus when her life took an unexpected twist in 2007 following the birth of her firstborn son with a neural tube defect. It's now her passion to encourage women to stop living timid lives of distraction and to bravely say yes to what God calls them to. So here's the conversation I had with Jonna Hensley. Hey, Jonna, thanks for joining us for the podcast today. I'm excited to get to meet you and hear more about your story. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, this is the first time we have met, and so I would love to know a little bit more about your family and where you live. So give us just the, the real brief snapshot um, of about your family and where you guys live. Sure, yeah. Well, my family of eight... Uh, wow. We reside wow. in yeah. <laughs> we reside in um, the suburbs of Dallas, and okay. we call ourselves the Hensley Eight. So it's my husband and myself, and we have six kids ranging from age sixteen down to three year old twins. Wow! So a lot of chaos. <laughs> We're I was going to say. That is, uh, I'm sure, a lot of excitement, a lot of fun, a lot of chaos, all the things that go along with parenting. And, um, (laughs) you know, you shared, you know, that in in your bio, like your life took an unexpected turn um, in 2007 after the birth of your first child. So tell us about that journey and about your son and discovering about his disabilities. Yeah. So um, my oldest son, um, he's 16. And when I was pregnant with him, my husband and I had been married a couple of years and we were this, you know, young, naive, newlywed couple and rocking along in life um, and received a diagnosis while I was pregnant. So at our 20-week ultrasound, received an in utero diagnosis of a neural tube defect um, for our son. He has spina bifida. And so 
you know, as these young 20-somethings, our whole world just came crashing down. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting there in this perinatologist office, um, just looking at each other, just wondering, what, what do we do? Where do we go from here? And, um, you know, it felt like this moment where we were sort of at this fork in the road of we could go this one direction and really like lean in and trust God and this plan that we did not sign up for that sounded mm-hmm. very difficult. Or we could take, um, you know, this other, quote, easier path of treatment options and sort of be done with this diagnosis. And that was, that's a heavy, heavy, heavy burden, mm-hmm. especially for what, you know, we're this young couple and it's our first baby. And so we just stood in this room and in this doctor's office and decided, no, we're going to lean in and we're going to trust God and we're going to say yes to whatever this diagnosis means. And we're going to be the best parents that we can be. And we just headed down that narrow path and trusted God through all of it. And um, it was quite a rocky road, still is. Mm -hmm. Um, But one that we are just so, so thankful that we chose and that we were called to. And um, lots and lots of adventure on that narrow path, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, this this uh, parenting journey in general is not easy. But then when you add in the special needs disability aspect, adds a whole nother layer of complexities, you know, to that. But, you know, think back, you know, you're this young mom, you're in the doctor's office. You've just heard this news. You've, you know, you've made this decision. Okay, we're going, we're going to do this. What were the emotions that were going through your mind at that moment? And then you're going through the rest of your pregnancy, knowing um, or having an idea of what you're going to be dealing with once your child is born. How did that impact you? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of grief, of course, because your dreams and your vision that you had for your life died that day. Mm-hmm. That was over. <laughs> um, rather than, you know, this picture of our perfect little family with our healthy little children and the white picket fence, like that died that day. And it doesn't mean that the new picture isn't something beautiful. It's just a new picture. And so there was right. a lot of grief that we were going through. There was a lot of uncertainty of, you know, when you're pregnant and you're getting all these ultrasounds and MRIs and all this testing, those are just guesses. Mm, Right. (laughs) So doctors were making educated guesses on like the diagnosis and the full length of a hospital stay and all these things, but it was uncertain still. And so just being curious and wanting to feel excited about becoming parents. Mm-hmm. It, it was a lot of things all at once. And that's okay. We can feel more than one thing at one time. Um, and just the nervousness and excitement and um, just leading up to his birth and then his birth not turning out like we had expected. And mm. so all those great guesses in utero and all those wonderful radiology tests and everything Mm -hmm. still couldn't predict um, exactly what happened. And so um, we ended up having our son in the NICU for seven months. He was there for 210 days. Mm. And um, we had been told when I was pregnant, oh, it looks like a best case scenario, maybe three weeks. And that turned into seven months. So um, the whole NICU journey was its own uphill battle. 
mm-hmm. of one day at a time and, you know, all of that. And so you NICU moms, like that resonates. NICU's a roller yeah. coaster to begin with. And so anyway, it was just, it was quite the, um, you know, trial by fire. We just went full on into the deep end of parenting and of special needs. And when we left NICU, our son was uh, on a trach and he had a vent, G-tube. He'd been through 11 surgeries in seven months. And it was just quite, quite eye-opening for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't, honestly, that's just, I know that sounds so overwhelming, you know, especially to people who have not been through that to think how in the world did you manage that? And, you know, did you have people who came alongside and helped you during that, those seven months that you were there and, and maybe when you came home? What were some of the practical ways that people came alongside and helped you during that season? Yeah, so we kind of were in a unique situation in that um, the town we were living in was not the town we delivered in, and we knew that going into it. And so uh, our home and our community was 90 miles away from our hospital. Mm-hmm. And we actually, for four months, my husband and I lived in a Ronald McDonald house. And that was a wonderful blessing, but also very challenging, mm-hmm. um, especially postpartum mom who's just had this major surgery. And, you know, it was it was a lot to, to handle. Um, praise God, my in-laws came and drove every single weekend a six-hour drive from West Texas to Houston and um, were with us every single weekend. Mm-hmm. And so they provided wonderful respite to us. Um, they would stay at the bedside and then Ryan and I would get to take a little bit of a break And um, oddly enough, because I was at the bedside every day for seven months, like our community sort of became those NICU nurses and that team who was, you know, we're all united caring for my son and Mm -hmm. like enamored with him and just in love with him. And and so that sort of became my community. Um, in, in and amongst those seven months, at the four and a half month mark, we actually moved to Houston. Oh we goodness. gave up our community and our home, the nursery we'd painted. We gave it all up because mm. we knew that we needed to be near a children's hospital that could support him. And uh, we just sort of started over fresh and again, just went all in and said, yep, we'll just move right now. Why not? YOLO. <laughs> And oh so my goodness. That's kind of uh, the crazy stuff my husband and I do. But um, yeah, so we just sort of were able to form a new community. And our, our, our other community, of course, supported us through emails and um, prayers. And our church, uh, church home was very supportive during that. Um, but yeah, it was quite, quite a roller coaster. That's amazing. You know, that you like are like, nope, we just need to move. We're going to move in the middle of all this. And uh, picking up and doing, you know, leaving what you knew for this new unknown and this unknown world that you're going to encounter. But that's what we special needs families do, isn't it? We absolutely roll yeah. with whatever comes our way. And so, well, tell us about your son today. You said he's 16 years old. Oh, tell yes, us about ma'am. him and and <laughs> like how his disability impacts him today, and what does he enjoy doing? All those things. Yes, well, he is a spicy little 16-year-old young man trying to grow a beard, and I'm trying oh, to boy. talk him out of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is. He does still have his trach and his health needs, you know, um, 
still, obviously, that will be something lifelong that he contends with. But uh, cognitively, he is, um, you know, just fun to hang out with. He, we mm-hmm. can interact. We talk to one another. He's very, very funny, very sarcastic. I'm not sure where he picks that up from. <laughs> so we have a great time together. I would say um, one of the bigger things for him with his lung health, he has some chronic lung disease and different things that have affected him that um, caused him to need to be homeschooled. And so uh, quite a few years ago, we left public school so that I could homeschool him and that his body would have an opportunity to be well-rested and not exposed to lots and lots of germs uh, in hopes of giving him a good quality of life. And uh, so we've enjoyed those times. We've had uh, a good time together through the years. Um, He's now a junior in high school, and he and I just kind of rock along together. We have a very, very special bond, and uh, we understand one another um, just on a special level that's very mm. unique, and I just appreciate it so much. And he he just loves all kinds of things. He loves people, very social. He loves country music. Um, he loves game shows, and just he likes to have fun. And so he he is a light, and everyone who meets him is just delighted to know him. So sweet. You know, I, I know so often um, people see our kids and they only see the disability. All they see is the wheelchair. They only see with your son, maybe the trach and, you know, all the things that go along with his disabilities. But you as his mom, what is it that you see? What is it that you love about him that maybe people in general might not see just by taking a first glance? Yeah, I think a couple of things. His his humor, like he really is so funny. And I think that oftentimes some of that gets maybe lost in translation or kind of people become impatient when somebody has Mm -hmm. a speech issue that maybe they don't, it gets kind of awkward and they don't want to stick around and like wait for this person to articulate themselves. And so it makes me sad that sometimes people might miss his humor because he's so funny. Um, And so I do appreciate that about him. And also he is just the most thoughtful and caring person. And he has this memory that is just really incredible. Mm. And so if he connects with you and he remembers a fact about you, he will always follow up with you about that. He would say, how was your doctor appointment? How did your interview go? He, he want, he remembers and he wants to care for you and, and check in on you. And I just love that because oftentimes, especially teenagers, they don't want to give you the time of day. They don't have time for it. They're not interested in it, but he genuinely loves and cares for people. And I just love to see that. Um, I think we could all learn from that. I know I I can because I get, you know, stuck in my own zone and I don't really think of others. And he's, you know, out here modeling such a great job of doing that. You know, and I was thinking the same thing as you were saying that. It's like how many of us um, who are not dealing with disabilities are not present with other people and who are so distracted by things around us and things that are going on in our lives. And yet that he is present and he is wanting to love and and be a part of other people's lives by remembering those things and not only remembering them, but bringing them back up and asking. That's just so sweet. And I love um, hearing that about him. 
Um, but your family didn't just end with his birth. You you have your family has grown, as you said. You're a family of eight now, so you grew from there to include a total of six children. So, and your that journey was a, a bit unique as well. So, share that part of your story with us: how your family grew from a family of three to now a family of eight. Yes, after we had Hayden, obviously there there was a lot of um, nervousness about whether we should expand our family or not. And I had so much hesitation about that because being in NICU exposes you to a lot of things that you didn't know existed. And so I had so much nervousness about that. And um, my husband and I prayed about it. And God just gave me this, this peace that whichever child that I was given was for his glory and not my own. And Consequently, we went on to have another baby, a healthy baby boy. Um, And I like to say that I was a first-time mom twice Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'd had Hayden and that experience of a C-section and this trauma of NICU. And then I had another baby and it was this beautiful V-back, low intervention, you know, healthy baby. And I was like, what do you do with the healthy baby? I had no idea. And so mm. uh, it's always fun to reflect back now and see how far we've come. Um, and so we had that son and he was healthy. And then we had a surprise son um, that we had talked about was a great idea. And then God was like, here you go. We're going to have another third little boy. And so we did. And we were rocking along um, with our three sons. And then God called us into the foster care space, um, which got us a lot of crazy looks uh, of like, what are you thinking? Mm -hmm. Um, But we were like, you know what? We know that God is calling us to serve in this space in some capacity. And so anyway, through a variety of twists and turns in our foster care journey, we ended up um, adopting a a daughter um, from foster care in 2019. And, um, so that was like an exciting chapter of our lives. And we thought, oh man, this is great. Like we're, we've got four, we have a girl, this is wonderful. I think we're probably going to shut our home down. And in the midst of those conversations, we received a phone call that our daughter, whom we had just adopted six months earlier, who was two years old at the time, had just become a big sister. And, um, it was twins. And they were looking for a place to go from NICU. And would we be interested in in uniting these siblings together? And so, of course, we said, yes. And so the next day, we had six-day-old twins. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> in wow. the middle of a pandemic. And, um, yeah, so they came to us, and uh, the Lord led us to another courtroom. And in October of 2021, we adopted them, and our home is full um, in more ways than one. And even the state of Texas said, you're full. You're done. Oh, We're going to shut God. you down. You're too full there. Um, and so, yeah, we, again, just twists and turns and roller coaster rides of just like kind of palms up saying, okay, God, what do you have for us? What is it we need to say yes to? And just kind of going all in. And so that's where we are. That's how we got to be the Hensley Eight, and oh uh, we're for sure done growing um, now. <laughs> but uh, like, that's it. We can't yes. do anymore. Yeah, we're maxed out now. Well, and I know that there have had to be some. You know, there's challenges that we face just in life 
dealing with disabilities, but also through what you went through, through the adoptions and whatnot, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced? And then how did God come alongside you and just walk through those challenges with you? Going into um, foster care is a challenge in itself. It's you want to be there and you want to serve um, in that community and in that space, but it is difficult. Um, and especially when you adopt from foster care, like the point of foster care is always reunification. Mm-hmm. You want those families reunified. And then when it unfortunately doesn't always work out that way, there's still this like tension of how do you navigate mm-hmm. um, wanting to adopt and wanting to finalize your case and then honoring your child's family of origin. And so just sort of walking this this line between those two things is something we're still learning and navigating now even. Um, but I think it was just much like in NICU when we were just looking and going, okay, one day at a time, I only have to do today. Mm-hmm. That's how the foster to adopt journey is because you don't know mm-hmm. when you're in the midst of it, you don't know where you're headed officially. And so you just kind of wake up each day and you serve the best that you can for that day. And you just trust God for each day that passes. And, um, you know, ours, like I said, led us to adoption. That's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just being faithful each day in these little small steps Mm -hmm. and just trusting that God knows where the path is going to land and just trusting Him in it. And that's that is a lesson. Like I said, we're learning all the time. Even now, post-adoption, there are struggles and there always mm-hmm. will be. And so it's like, remind me, Lord, remind me again, just today. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did you really say this? Yeah. Did you really say to do this? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and not every parent is called to foster or to adopt, you know, especially I think a lot of parents would be looking and saying, Okay, I have a child with profound disabilities, profound special needs, and I can't even fathom um, going into that space. But you're very passionate about that, about fostering and and adoption. So where does that come from in your life and, and what has caused that passion for you in your life? Yeah, so I I agree. Disclaimer, not everyone should foster and adopt. So y'all relax. <laughs> I'm not going to press your hand. No pressure. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, I wasn't one of those people who, you know, as a little girl, I always knew I wanted to adopt. That wasn't me. Um, but it became this just such a calling on my life uh, after I this sounds crazy. I grew up in the church, but in 2019, I read the entire Bible um, through the Bible recap with Tara mm-hmm. Lee Cobble. Yep, yep. And man, I walked away from that. And there was a lot of healing that I walked through, that the Bible walked me through, mm-hmm. being God as my father and this loving mm-hmm. father. And it healed a lot of wounds that I had. And in doing so, I I was able to really see who God was and his, this, passion, this call for the vulnerable, for the widows, for the orphans, Mm -hmm. for the oppressed, and that the church, Christians, should be doing that and serving in that space in some capacity. And man, that just, I think that was the catalyst that led us down this path of, you know, yeah, let's learn what foster care is. Let's go to an informational class. Let's take these small steps of yeses and see what God has for us. And um, yeah, I'm I'm passionate about 
Christians and the church doing what the Bible says we should be doing. Right. right. <laughs> and, um, you know, not everybody should foster, but there's always something that we could all do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's just praying for somebody that you know who is a foster parent, whether it's right. dropping a note in the mail, sending a sweet text, sending a meal, you know, DoorDash, something. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are ways that as a community, we can all come together to serve this population that yeah. is in desperate need of mm-hmm. support. Yeah. And it's often overlooked. You know, a lot of people don't even think about um, the families who, you know, you, you get a call maybe in the middle of the night that there's a child who needs placement and and you may, you know, you need things for that. And, and like you said, DoorDash cards, DoorDash cards, meal cards, always a win regardless of yes. what's going on with someone. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I know um, it's just there, it's encouraging to hear of families who do feel called to this, to this mission field, to, to love and serve these families. And um, yes, practical ways to just come alongside and help families that are in the, you know, like you said, sometimes it's just a text of just going, okay, I see you, right. I see you, you're yes. not, you know, you're not out there by yourself. And mm-hmm. um, it's just that those things are powerful. Um, but you are, in addition to all these things, to being a mom, a family of eight and mom of six, you are also an author. And I read that you and your son, Hayden, are working on a book together about disability etiquette. And so, you know, what caused you to want to write this book? And, you know, we've all, as special needs parents, we have had people who have said something that was hurtful, not, you know, sometimes intentional, most of the times not intentional, or done things that have been, uh, you know, amiss, done something not quite right. And so, why did you want to write this book? And then what are some of the biggest things that comments, let's call them mistakes, etiquette mistakes that you've encountered that maybe led you to want to write this book? Oh, well, yeah. So he and I are writing, it's a children's book. Um, so our main target audience is children. And the reason this came about was um, Hayden was in public school, like I mentioned, you know, for, for quite a few years. And On the first day of every year of public school, he and I would come into the classroom and we'd make a presentation to the classroom because Hayden was in a gen ed classroom. He was in full inclusion, but he was in a wheelchair and had a trach and a G-tube and a pulse ox and all these things. And if you're a little kid, that is very curious to you. Mm -hmm. And so what we found through years of, of public school and being in classrooms is that if we would go in on the first day of school and we would sort of present at the front of the class. And we would say, hey guys, this is Hayden. He's in a wheelchair. We know about it. Y'all don't worry. We we know. <laughs> and kind of work through each of the things. But we would say, you know, he has a trach. It's a hole in his neck. And I would hold up for the class, like mm. a sample trach. And I'd say, here it is. We'd pass it around. Here's a suction catheter. We'd turn on the suction machine and they would hear the noise. And we would just work through each thing And we would watch them every single year. At the end of it, when the presentation was over, they would be like, oh, thank goodness that Mm. they know about it. And they've told us about it. And we don't have to walk on eggshells and be weird anymore. And we would tell them, you know, we've now equipped you 
And now when you're out in the campus or you're at recess or at lunch and somebody's staring or has questions about your classmate, Hayden, feel free to speak up and bridge this gap where Mm -hmm. little kids, they just don't know. They're not being evil or, you know, horrible. They're, they just don't know. It's, it's ignorance that they don't know. And so we thought, you know what we should do? We should take all of our material and all of these concepts and put it into a children's book with great illustrations and explanations. And let's teach the kids and consequently the adults reading the books to the kids about some of this etiquette, right? And so our biggest things would probably be um, this idea of not taking a mental picture, but rather asking some questions. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you see a friend with some disabilities or some special needs, don't just stare at them approach them and say, hi, could I ask you about your wheelchair? Would you mind telling me, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And um, kind of giving permission, I guess, for us to be approachable, for Hayden to be approachable. Um, One of the things, too, that little, little kids, it doesn't happen as much now because he's a teen, but little kids think it is super fun to push wheelchairs around. Yes. And they think it's just so great. And that would always really bother us, especially Mm -hmm. Hayden of, you know, you can't just push me where I didn't ask to go. That's right. So we're, you know, we're finding fun ways to explain like, Mm. these are like his legs and Mm -hmm. we don't want to drag you somewhere where you didn't ask to go. So you want to always ask permission before you push somebody in a wheelchair. And, um, And say another one, you know, to go back to the being patient as a person is speaking and maybe their speech isn't clear or it takes a little bit of time for them to orchestrate their thought. Like, be patient and just wait it out. Like, what they're saying to you is important. So be there and give them that benefit of you standing, waiting, listening, Mm -hmm. you know, and not just losing interest and running off and like, oh, well, can't understand you. Bye. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so anyway, these types of things, we're hopeful that this would, like I said, bridge a gap between, um, you know, these typical children in classrooms or in communities who could get to know these people with disabilities who have so much to offer, Mm -hmm. but maybe they just don't know how to navigate that. Right. When are you hoping the book will be out? What are your plans? Well, it is um, in editing now. So we are working on the illustrations and all of that. So hopefully by the end of 2024, um, we'll have that out and some cool things to go along with it. Um, Yeah, we're excited. That's yeah. become sort of our homeschool curriculum right oh, that's now. That's <laughs> great. That's great. Well, writing a book is a big process, you know, and so um, I know it takes it takes a while, especially if you're adding in illustrations and all of those things. And so that's exciting to know that hopefully in a year that'll be available for our listeners, um, for them to to share with other people. But you have a book that's out right now that you've written called Reckless Yes. So tell us about that book and your heart behind wanting to write it. Yeah, so Reckless Yes is um, a Christian memoir about our family. Um, This book was in the works for many, many years in my head and in blogs. Um, I'd blogged for years and um, I just wanted to be able to concisely tell our story. And 
you know, it, it sort of took on this idea of saying yes to whatever that looks like, to whatever God is asking of you. And your yes is not my yes. We don't all have the same yes, but we're mm-hmm. all called to something. And so the book tells our family's story, but it also challenges the reader to kind of think about what am I being asked to do that might make me look a little reckless to the world? What is the thing that looks kind of crazy and maybe even foolish to the world around us, but in the kingdom of God is not crazy? Mm -hmm. This is what we should be doing and what we should Mm -hmm. look like. Are you a mom or female caregiver raising an individual with special needs? We'd love to invite you to our yearly event created just for you called By the Brook. In 2024, you can join us live in Cookville, Tennessee, or from wherever you are around the world for a weekend of encouragement, respite, and time together with other moms who get it. Join us on June 21st through 22nd, 2024. This is what we should be doing and what we should look like. And, you know, our family had received many, many looks of curiosity. Um, You know, we were already... We had the wheelchair and the whole thing going on. And then we've got, we're adding in these other kids and we're doing the adoption thing and we're different colors and we're different abilities. And we are a sight to see, (laughs) to Mm -hmm. say the least. And so we were used to these looks of just curiosity, I guess. and, And sort of just, it became this concept of like, what's the thing that you're doing that makes you stand out? in the world around you because mm. we are called to something and we're called to stand out from the world yeah. um, as believers. And so anyway, um, yeah, my book came out this summer of 2023 and it was just such a sweet, beautiful time. Um, it had been just so long in the making and I was just so happy to have it out there and yeah. sharing the story and getting to kind of do some speaking and different stuff like that to encourage people and to go say yes, like go be crazy. You only get one life, you know? (laughs) So, I mean, obviously your big yes was fostering to adoption. Have you heard other stories from people who have had some big yeses, some reckless yeses from your, when you go and speak to other people? Yeah, it's been super fun just being out and um, speaking because people will come up to me and, and they might, they might share a yes they've already done, but most of the time, the people I'm meeting are on the verge of a yes. Mm. And they just need that little nudge, mm-hmm. you know, of encouragement. And so right. I have loved getting to meet people who are in that space where I can uh-huh. just say, you know, go do it. Yes. Yeah. God's here. He's saying, do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, most recently, a friend um, who just sent her oldest off to college has said yes to a new baby who is a sibling of uh, some of her, she has a couple of adopted kids as well. And she has said yes to a NICU baby. Oh my goodness. And so that baby will be coming home um, to their home in just a few weeks now. And so she was like, she texted me that day and said, do you want to hear something really reckless? I'm 45. Uh, I sent a kid to college and I'm bringing a newborn in, but I'm saying yes because God is asking us to do this. Oh, wow. And I was just like, go, girl. Yes, do it. You know? (laughs) So amazing. So it's very exciting. And and I try to just ask people, you know, when I meet them or or we talk about the book and I say, what's your next yes? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be adoption. It doesn't have to be wild and crazy because your next yes might be 
I'm going to bring dinner to my neighbor that I've mm-hmm. never really met. And I'm yeah. just going to go say hello. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm going to show up to this Bible study that makes me so nervous and anxious because I don't know anyone, but I mm-hmm. feel like this is what God's asking me to do. Yeah. So there's this huge range. And that's just what's so beautiful about everybody has this individual yes mm-hmm. and just go for it. Like, what have you got to lose? Life is fragile. We don't have forever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, so true. And, you know, we're in the new year now. We we have 2023s in the books. We're like we're in 2024 now. And so... You know, you. I know you talk to parents along the journey, you know, special needs parents, but also parents who foster and adopt. And so, you know, when you think about where we are right now, you know, things are crazy and chaotic in the world in general. But what is it you think that, that parents need to hear right now um, as we start out this new year? You know, all parents were given quite the assignment, right? We are here to advocate for our kids. And whether that's your special needs child, a foster child, a niece, a nephew, whomever it is, as the adult, like we are, uh, we're getting this privilege to advocate for children. And so this is a, this is a great assignment. We need to lean into that. And I think that, you know, it's oftentimes it feels like, is this doing anything? It's just so, um, you you don't see the return right then. Mm -hmm. But I think we just got to be persistent. We got to stick with it. We have to just keep pouring into our kids and sticking up for what's right, um, advocating for them and just persevere because we're we're blazing a trail for those coming up behind us. And so for me to sit here in 2024 and to reflect on something that happened in a NICU 16 plus years ago, in those moments, I didn't, I never would have imagined that I could be encouraging mm-hmm. somebody today right. who might have just gotten right. her diagnosis today. Mm-hmm. And she just left that scary, sterile doctor's office and she doesn't know what to do next. Mm-hmm. Well, here I am on the other yeah. side of it. And each of us have some type of journey that mm-hmm. we're blazing a trail for the people coming up behind us. And so I think it's just staying persistent and focused, even on the days when it's rough, but remembering we just have to do today. You know, mm-hmm. tomorrow's not yeah. promised. Let's do the best that we can with today and just yeah. he- hedge forward. So, and And we never know how our next yes, when we say yes, how many lives that's going to impact, you know, by being obedient and doing that. We just, we can't see this side of heaven a lot of times, what that looks like. And um, absolutely, absolutely. So that's encouraging to know, to say, just do today, but do the next yes. Right. Yes. And it's, you know, this whole idea of living with eternity in mind. You know, Mm -hmm. these choices that we're making here are temporal. So Mm -hmm. I can suffer a little bit now for the sake of eternity and for the sake of the people that I need to like point to eternity. And so my little catchphrase that I like to sign my books with is be reckless for the kingdom. Mm. You know, we're not being reckless to be reckless and crazy. We're not making rash decisions, but we're making decisions that look reckless to the world because we've got a kingdom perspective mm-hmm. and we're we're looking and living for eternity. Yeah, so true. Well, Jonna, when you look at your life, 
What are ways that you rise above your circumstances and you find joy in your story? Oh, man. Um, I think <laughs> this, this, I don't know if this is the answer you were looking for, but I started. It's your answer. You yeah. can say, you can, this is, this is your episode. You can say whatever, whatever you want to say. Okay. Now I'm going to tap into my, like, my special needs mamas here who have seen some things. Okay. You guys, like, here's what it is. So many weird, crazy, nasty things happen. We've seen some stuff. We have seen stuff. Yep. (laughs) The thing that just kills me is like, I just, we just, my husband and I just start laughing about. Yes. We have sick and twisted humor. Do I mean, everybody in this, um, we have it, right? Listen, (laughs) there's nothing better to another special needs mom than a good poop story. Thank you. you. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And so that is my thing is that even in the midst of like something that is horrible and there is poop all over the ground. Last night, my husband got barfed on into his mouth by a toddler. And at the moment, we're like, ah, you know, but then it wasn't an hour or two later. And we were cracking up just nearly in tears laughing over, we need a reality show because Mm -hmm. it's just the stories that happen. And yesterday, even uh, I was on the phone with Medicaid for an hour and 40 minutes and Hayden was there. We were on speakerphone and he doesn't always tune in, but he was listening and he just was blown away of the chaos of please hold, go here, wrong set, wrong department, go here, go here. And and we just took this moment that could have been so frustrating and I just wanted to punch a wall. And instead, he and I were just giggling and cracking up because it's just, it is laughable at moments, right? And so I think it's just finding the joy and the like silliness in mm-hmm. what could be this down, bummer, depressing moment and just Mm -hmm. rising above it and just laughing and enjoying and finding the joy in it. Um, And that might seem trite and silly, but that gets us through the day and it gets us through the Medicaid calls. (laughs) There there you go. There you go. And yeah, I mean, humor, humor, if we have to be, you know, there's moments in our life that are so hard and so challenging, but when you can find those things to find joy and the funny that go along with this life. Boy, it does. It shifts that perspective and that attitude. And so totally yes, agree. For sure. And it's great when you meet somebody who gets the humor, right? Oh, yes. Not, not a, everybody not for, gets a good poop joke. Not, not everybody gets. No, it's, it's <laughs> not. It is not. But, you know, when, when you're with somebody else who gets it, doesn't it just like, oh, yeah, they there's get me. my people. You know? That is yeah. my people right there. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jonna, it has been a joy to get to visit with you and get to know you better. And I just thank you for giving up your time to be on the podcast today. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much. I loved it. I appreciate it so much. It was great to visit. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rising Above with Becky Davidson created and produced by Rising Above Ministries. To learn more about us and our resources for special needs families, visit risingaboveministries.org or download our free app. If you've enjoyed listening and want to hear more, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. You can always share it to encourage a friend. And remember, joy can be found in every story.